Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you for having me, Finn. You know, we've been talking about this for a minute. Um, Yeah, it's been a while. Well, you're a busy man, so I appreciate that you carved out some time. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. You know, it's a good time to do it as well. you know, we have a bit of new stuff happening. Might as well, yeah. you know, talk about it. Yeah. So, so, uh, Riptide came out, uh, what, two days ago? And, yes. uh, I have a lot of questions about it, but tell us about it. I mean, I think a lot of it is kind of obvious. If you've been following, you know, much about what's been going on in my life, uh, this is a song that kind of really captured the beginning of that. So, I wrote the song probably like end of December. Uh, I quit drinking mid-December and I think that it's kind of like makes sense that this song would have happened you know about a week afterwards I could definitely tell like mentally a lot of things were shifting I just felt a lot sharper I just felt genuinely different in a whole lot of ways emotionally very different and uh, I just started writing and there it was I don't know you know I mean I could go through the whole bit but it was a very emotional thing it kind of happened very quickly it feels really good to like be chasing happiness in an actual tangible way instead of just constantly being like oh why can't i be happier it's like well because you're not fucking working for it you know that's kind of like kind of where it was yeah well there's there's some interesting things i mean for one i'm always happy to see people get sober but the truth is that most of the time somebody's like sober record sucks most of the time right right right. (laughs) you know But this is like this song, at least it doesn't 
feel like or sound like a sober song in a bad way, if that makes sense. Like it's still like super high energy. I would say it's like heavier than a lot of the stuff you've been doing recently. So, you know, it's not like, oh, Caleb's sober. Now he's going to make boring, you know, country songs. Right, right. I, I do agree. I, you know, I think there is something like about that, the torture artist thing, the cliche everybody talks about, you know, I, I feel like for a lot of bands, they're good records were the records where they were like kind of fucked up. Um, yeah. And like talking about that. True. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's been every Beartooth record, um, you know, and like it, whether that be fucked up. I mean, I've definitely made records like fucked up, you know, like below I was pretty drunk for a lot of that, honestly. Um, I like, at least a lot of those vocal sessions, um, a lot of those lyrics. But I think in a weird way, that was like something I kind of needed to go through. Uh, it was one of those things where like, after that record was done, I was like, this is just fucking brutal. Like, this is just gruesome. Lyrically, there is not an ounce of anything but self-deprecation and like, you know, basically it's just a whole record about like being in love with the devil and like fucking it's why you know what i mean like it's just dark shit and you can't live that way forever no it just it doesn't sustain and you know like i I don't know I, i think for me why like cutting booze um really helped me was just the way like my creative my creativity works in like bursts. It's very, I'm very, you know, ADD or whatever was going on in the early two thousands. They were giving kids medicine for, um, you know, and I, I think I get hyper, hyper focused on something. And it's like, I have these, you know, sometimes it'll be for an hour, two hours. Sometimes it'll be for 12 or 24. Sometimes it'll be for a month and then I can't do anything. Who knows? But I felt like during Below, I mean, I, you know, I wrote most of the music for that record on tour where I'm on an endorphin high, you know, I'm playing shows. We're on tour with this co-headliner with Motionless and White that's selling out. It's biggest thing we've done. It's, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders and I'm still like partying and stuff. I'm not out of control. And it it was just kind of like, it was just really good vibes wrote the music for that record. And then in like probably, you know, two months, month and a half while on the road. And then, you know, the lyrics and finishing the record, like literally just singing on it, dialing in little bits here and there and finishing it took me until mid December uh, from March, 2020 to mid December at home with during COVID with nothing to do. You know what I mean? It was like, that to me is kind of a way that I describe the difference where like Riptide took me, you know, a few hours. Right. That's the difference is that like when I'm really drinking hard, it's like I I get in this rhythm where you, I just can't find a groove. I just can't. And when I quit drinking, it just felt like also I'm sure, you know, I've kind of like leveled out now, but when I first stopped, I was on this crazy, like, my endorphins are going nuts. You know what I mean? I just felt like I was on fire for like, I don't know, a few months. And uh, exactly. Yeah. In a, in a great way. I mean, and that's, that was the catalyst for, I don't know, a bunch of the choices that I've made and kind of who I've 
tried to be, you know, whatever version of myself I am at the moment that I'm a really big fan of and I'm really happy with. So like, I don't know. It, I mean, you, you know, I know you've dealt with various yeah. things in your way, you know, your family, you, whoever it may be like, you know, the difference of when you're sharp and when you're not. Yeah. And for me, alcohol was just the one that, you know, that was the one that got in the way. Um, it's such a shitty drug. Like it's, dude, it I, it's it's worse than like, it's, it's maybe not as bad as like fentanyl, but it's no. not fucking far off. It's like, such a it, bad drug. I will say I have had some incredible times drinking. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I don't regret a lot of it. What I do regret is the times that I knew I was not completely in control of it. And I kept deciding to not do anything about it. Those are the only things I regret, but you know, I, that's part of the process, I guess yeah. uh, I would assume, but like, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it just numbs. Um, and like, you know, for a lot of people, they can just shut it off and like go back to normal life. And, you know, it's like my wife drinks. I, you know, we've drank together tons and, you know, she's, she's British. She's, <laughs> she's can go on benders and then like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, be not want to touch alcohol for a month and it not even be in their mind at all. Right. And for me, it was one of those things where it was like, especially during COVID, it was like when I got off tour, it was like, oh, we can drink all the time and it's like a novelty. And then I don't, I honestly don't remember probably March, mid-March to maybe July of 2020, nothing. Oh, wow. Just, it was just a monotonous, you know, like bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it was like, it, it was not, yeah, it was not good. That's and pretty that's, gnarly. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, was that scary when you realized it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember it was like October of 2020. I don't remember what exactly was had happened. It was just, I don't know. I woke up outrageously hungover and I like texted one of my good friends who he had quit drinking, got really into fitness. He'd been one of my best friends since I was a kid. His name's um, Jesse Kale, Jesse Burkett. Um, he's amazing. Fucking killer dude. Uh, personal trainer now, turned his life around. Like fucking huge inspiration. But I remember hitting him up probably like October of 2020 and being like, yo, I need to like get in shape, help. And he kind of like helped me start my fitness journey. But I was still, you know, I had tapered back by drinking a lot. You know, I was only drinking maybe a couple of times a week. But even then it was like, why am I fucking drinking a couple times a week? If fitness is the goal, this is doing absolutely fucking nothing for me. Right. Um, and then, you know, that couple of times a week turns into every day again, turns into whatever in the cycle. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like as many good times as I've had on alcohol, it's just like, we don't get along anymore. You know, I, I don't know if it's forever, but I don't see yeah. myself wanting to drink again, really just because of you know, I'm past six months of it now. I'm, I'm right. seven, actually seven, seven months in like three days. It's just one of those things that was like, I, you know, I drank so fucking much <laughs> in my twenties. Like I partied, I did it. You know, it, it's like. When I lived in Columbus, I drank six or seven days a week for like four years. Yeah. You, know? you get it. You know what I mean? You, <laughs> I don't, you know I'm, that I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. You know it, you've done it. And like, I've toured and fucking, I have always been, you know, been on so many tours where we were the hardest drinking band on the tour and we were right. fucking did the thing and we were fucking wasted and rock and roll. And it was like, well, 
you know, surprise, that fucking sucks too. <laughs> like you're out on tour and your voice sucks and you're out of shape and you can't fucking play. And yeah, it's like, I've yeah. done it all. I've lived, I have my time. I got plenty of stories. Well, I, I'm okay. Me and alcohol are probably done. You know what I mean? What I really liked about Riptide is that it felt like kind of like aggressively positive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Like, what's the line about like glorifying? It's the last time that I romanticize the Riptide oh, yeah, yeah. that's trying to drown me. It's yeah, like one yeah. of the lines in the core. Exactly. Yeah. It feels like a very like, not just like, hey, I'm sober, but or or it's not even just sober. It's like, you know, positive, yeah, yeah. but it's like aggressively rejecting, you know, the negative stuff. And I, I really like that a lot. That felt good. Like, Thank it felt you. good to see it and listen to it. I was like cheering for Caleb. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's really what it's like. I mean, even and with the music video and everything is it's like it is really meant to be like, oh, like it, it's meant to grab you. Yeah. In a, like a shocking way of like, holy shit, there is another way than just being fucking like glorifying your sadness. And See, I, like, I didn't feel you like know? I didn't feel like Beartooth glorified it. There are people that do. Yeah. I don't feel I, oh, I understand. Sure. Where, I understand where you're coming from, but I felt like yeah, yeah. Beartooth like always talked about a lot of kind of heavy, dark stuff. But it, but it, yeah. it always still felt kind of positive to me or uplifting in a way. So what the difference is, I will say, is that like, yeah, glorifying is a strong word. It was it was none of it was ever dishonest, fucking ever. Like every record, zero bullshit. It was always just what am I going through at the time? And I write about it. That's it. And all of those records and this whole the first five albums are kind of like one piece of time. They're meant to just represent my 20s. And this record that I'm finishing now will be, you know, I turn 30 in December and the due date is towards the end of the year. So it's like, it'll just literally be this time capsule of my fucking 20s. So you're still and working on it. I am. I am still working on it. Um, but that, like, it's interesting to go back and look at it because, I, I, yeah, I'm not exactly glorifying it, but it was, it's like, you're four records in and you're fucked up, dude. Like, clearly you're in a rut. Like, like where are maybe, we going with this yeah where is this headed like this is yeah. just only going down um which you know disgusting the sick ep and disgusting were like you know they're dark yeah. <laughs> there's really dark shit on there i mean the song like you know it, it was just that you know i was like 20 and i was just trying to figure i figure it out figure out depression and like what the fuck is going on and dealing with suicide, dealing with a lot of things that, you know, I think a lot of people go through and it was brutal shit. And then like aggressive, you know, our second record came around and so much about that record. I just like, that's the one that got away for me. I, I, I don't hate the record, but I don't love the record. Uh, what I what love do you not sing. like about it? The way it went down, all of the emotion that I like, my emotional attachment to that record is just brutal. It's just really dark. It was like, we were just on fire. We were this hot new band and it was like, we couldn't get any time off. We would just keep getting opportunities that we couldn't turn down and tours that we couldn't turn down. And which is a great problem to have, but you know, I, I was just having a really hard time dealing with it. And, you know, during the disgusting era, you know, I started partying real hard on the road and it took a toll on my body and I gained a whole lot of weight and I was really out of shape. And then going into aggressive, I was like, I had a, 
I think I had like a month to make that album or something. And I was like, all right, we need to get in shape. And I, you know, I quit drinking for like two or three weeks, lost a lot of weight really fast, unhealthily. Um, but I did it. And then, so like mentally I'm fried. I have no like nutrition. I'm spending 16 hours a day in my basement, just in the dark, just trying to like force out songs. You know, I wrote like aggressive and hated. I think those were like the, and maybe one other song, however you want it said, that was one of my favorite songs on the record that I thought was going to be single, didn't do anything. But everything else, it was like, to me, that record is a few singles. And then a lot of me just trying and everybody was just kind of like, this is what we got. And we went with it. And like, thank God the singles were as good as they were or I don't know what would have happened. And so like, that was super dark, you know? So I'm like kind of going on this, this spiral and then disease comes around and disease was really important. Like, I think to me, that was a really big, like me just falling in love with music again and falling in love with doing what I do. Like I've always loved playing shows, but I just fell in love with it again. You know, I went through a different process. I did it. I wanted to make a record like it was the nineties, you know, it was like went to analog studios and I played all the drums. They weren't sound replaced. You know, the guitars were like real amps and real takes and, you know, vocals are, yeah, it was was that whole thing. And yeah, but even then, Oh my God, it was so fucking expensive. It was so expensive. (laughs) And in the days that like, I've already made records for $0 and zero cents. (laughs) And then, yeah, that sound better than that record, but we had to go through that. You know, is that one the one that things. you ended up remixing? No, that was aggressive. Oh, okay. uh, aggre- aggressive. I ended up remixing, but no disease. And like, I I do love that record. I think it was a cool thing to do that. But that was the record that I was co-writing a fuckload because, and that was new for you, right? Because you you had written everything yeah. pretty much hundred percent on your own up until that point, right? Um, and I had co-written before, so. Felt John Feldman. Right, right, right. I there is it never got put out, but and honestly, it never even got finished. But like, so I met him during the attack days, and he kind of introduced me to co-writing. I had never done it before, but we did some stuff with him to do a re-release of the self-titled record. Uh, we did a few singles with him. Me and him became good friends. Then we did This Means War which I did. And that was actually supposed to be like a throwaway record to get out of our contract. This is for Attack Attack. Yes. And then, so this is kind of my like introduction to co-writing is we do that record. Then the next day fly out to LA and we spent like a month with John Feldman doing an Attack Attack record that never got released. But after, right after that, very close to that, I quit Attack Attack. And he was literally the first person that hit me up when I like, announced that and he was like come out and co-write just be a songwriter with me and it moved to la you should do it you're gonna love it and then he heard some Beartooth songs that weren't technically Beartooth songs at the time but he asked sorry i'm kind of rambling but he asked for a big like list of like send me like 30 songs that you've written and i was like okay i sent him pop songs i sent him whatever and i sent him some what was uh Beartooth soon to be Beartooth songs and he hit, hit me up and he was like this is really good I'm working with this new label called Rebel Records. You should sign to them. Um, And if you want to like do Beartooth, let me work on it with you. Basically all that to be said, we wrote in between together. uh, Gold, gold song. It obviously worked pretty well, but um, yeah. So like the only real co-writing I experience I had was with Phil and he, 
and then like me writing for other people's stuff. I had produced and written for a lot of other people, but not for Beartooth. Beartooth is such a personal project and it's like my fucking baby that it was kind of like, that's a different territory for me. Um, but yeah, so disease was the record where I was like, let's just fucking co-write with anybody who will get in the room. And I think a few cool things came out of it, but I think a lot of like, when I look back, I was out of gas and I was just looking for a way to get it done. I mean, I even think back to, you know, to kind of bring this all around to how it leads into, you know, riptide is that like, and leading into below is that, you know, I was like, I'm going to make this environment that is the ultimate fucking musical environment. There is not going to be any way that you're not on 10. You're going to be in the world's best studios with the best gear, with the best writers, with the best engineers. You're going to make fucking hits. You have to. There's no way that you can't. Like, you've already done well with Beartooth just doing it completely by yourself. What about we add in all of this money and all of this stuff? What's going to happen? And, you know, and I had somebody filming a vast majority of this as well. And, um, but yeah, I, you know, I was still getting fucking wasted every night. And, uh, you know, I was just like, you know, this is back when I was, you know, I was smoking like a fucking pack and a half a day vaping while I'm in the recording <laughs> studio and getting fucking wasted every night. <laughs> um, oh my God. But yeah, it was like, I don't know. I, I look back on that. And I'm like, yeah, as cool as it was, like it took so much fucking work to pull out of me right what i you know what i mean like and and i don't think it really did a ton other than i i mean i learned a lot about myself as a writer as a player and i'm really i'm really glad i did that record like i don't think a lot of musicians these days and this is no hate to the new way of doing records this is no hate on it's not some boomer anti-auto tune shit but like not a lot of people can do a record the way i did disease i fucking played i played the drums i fucking so like now people play I the drums it. and then pick a snare sound later, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it was like that entire record is real. And then I mixed it. We mi- I mixed it on an analog console to tape. And then it was Did you know how to tape. use a console? Uh, I, I mean, I know how to engineer. Like, I know the I mean, like, have you mixed it, on? Have like, you mixed on a console really before? No, no, I've yeah. never mixed on a console before. I just, I just, um, I know the, I know the SSL plugins, but exactly. You know what I mean? It's like. But I, yeah, I mixed it on an SSL at Nick Raskolinic studio. Okay. Um, yeah. And then cut it to one inch tape and Ted Jensen mastered it off the one inch. And it's like, that is what I'm proud of with that record. Obviously there are, I think some really important songs for me as a person as well. I think overall that record was like a really well-rounded record. It had some weird shit on it, but it was fun. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. 
Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. To me, it's uh, I it's my least favorite Beartooth stuff. It's it's very good, but it it's just Ooh. it doesn't. Tell, feel... I'm so curious to know why, because this is it, usually not the case. It's very good, but it just to me doesn't feel like what I think of as Beartooth. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. feels like it could be not like any band, but like it could be other bands. Whereas mm-hmm. like. To me, like I would say, like Riptide feels like Bear Tooth again to me. I'm like, okay, this feels like this could only be Bear Tooth. You know what I mean? And like, you know, disgusting, hundred percent. Like nobody's ever done anything that sounds like that before or since. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so like that stuff to me feels like it feels like there are other voices involved with it, which there were, and that's not yeah, a bad thing necessarily. It's just like Bear Tooth, like you said, Bear Tooth is you. You know, right? Exactly. Very interesting. Just for really me wise. personally, but, you know, no, it's not, cool. it's not bad by any means. It's just, a, it's like, it doesn't feel like Beartooth to me as much as the other stuff does. I really like that take. So we do that record and it's catching fire. It's doing really well. You know, we're, we go out, we do this fucking sold out Europe tour, massive tour. We just did the motionless tour. Like 
things are going so well. And then, yeah. And then below happens and I fucking fall apart and yeah. And then it was like, I don't know, oddly enough, it wasn't really like a rock bottom kind of thing, but it was like a, I was just, I, my goals and my mentality had completely shifted to like, I just want to be the fucking best at what I do and what that in my, to my capacity to do so. And, uh, and it was one of those classic fucking long looks in the mirror. Like, you know, we were out in the, the day that I stopped drinking, we were out in England and uh, we had a really nice night, actually. <laughs> like we went out to dinner, this really nice, like Gordon Ramsay restaurant and had a few cocktails and some wine and whatnot. And then we like went to the bar, me and my wife after the dinner and had a few drinks, but I just like woke up and my stomach kind of felt like shit. And I, you know, I wasn't, I just didn't feel great. And I was like, what are you fucking doing? Like, what, what is this adding? What is this going to add right. to you? What is this going to add to your vocal performance when you're fucking playing live? Like, how is this adding to your ability to do cardio so you can play a show for an hour and a half and beyond the whole time? What is this going to do to more important than fucking any of this help stabilize your clearly imbalanced chemicals in your brain? Like, is this really helping that? Probably not. The big thing that really changed it for me and why kind of riptide and me being more public online and all of this has started to happen over the last six, seven months was that the only thing that I did was I just told my wife Fleur that I wanted to stop drinking. That was it is I just said it out loud for the first time. Like, you know, so many times in my head about a month prior, I was like telling myself like, dude, this is out of control. You need to fucking stop. And I couldn't like, I couldn't get it out of my mouth. Um, Do you think she was surprised to hear that or? Oh yeah, she was so fucking. Like, she was like, she was like, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> and and she was also uh, kind of pissed because we were going to her uh, her parents' house for Christmas, and they're like huge wine collectors and enthusiasts, and they have like incredible wine, and that's always a big part of Christmas is like the amazing wine. And she's like, I swear, if you're just going through something <laughs> and you like fucking start drinking again, and this was just some like emotional break because you were hungover. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, it was all, it, it was all good, but yeah, it was just like, I said that out loud and yeah, at first she was just like, what are you talking about? Like, you just sound like you're really hung over and you're being emotional. And then, yeah, I like, you know, I told a few days later, I had texted the guys in the band and then, you know, I texted like my family members, like my mom, my dad, my brother. And then that was it. And like, honestly, thankfully I caught it before it was like, fucking nuts like honestly it was it, it never was at the point where other than that period where i was literally just drinking all day for like three or four months um you know it it was never one of those things that i i don't just yearn for it all the time like a lot of people do i know from what i hear from a lot of you know like real people in like programs and stuff is that yeah like it can get to a point where no matter how long you've been off of it that's all still on your mind all the time. And right. it, it, it's, it's definitely not like that. Like I, yeah, I, I just I, said, I wanted to quit drinking and then I stopped and I, I didn't go through any sort of like withdrawals or, you know, maybe I had a headache the yeah. first night that I was just hung over. Like, I, you know, I, thankfully the, the, I kind of got can like literally kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Some people I, dude, I, it was scary. Like I was like, fuck, am I going to have withdrawals? Like I'm, you know, cause I had been like 
fucking Googling it. And like, cause I had been curious about it. I've been like, man, I should probably stop drinking, but like, I couldn't tell you the last time I haven't had four or five cocktails before I went to bed. Like, is my body going to be okay with this? Like, you know, it was scary shit. So yeah, like for me, I stopped drinking as soon as I left Columbus because my life in Columbus was miserable. As soon as I left Columbus and like got back to Seattle, I just didn't want to drink anymore. So I've always said like, I would drink if I felt like it. I just don't feel like it. Exactly. And that's kind of like, honestly, where I feel like I'm at as well right now is that I wanted to at least get away from it for a few months just because I hadn't done that. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't see any benefits just to me personally. It doesn't really me and alcohol don't seem very compatible, at least for what I'm trying to achieve and where I'm trying to go. But uh, yeah, all of this to be said, that is the catalyst of Riptide is that my whole mentality has shifted and like quitting drinking was just part of that like shift. I think it was a massive help in me getting to where I am now, but it was just kind of a small piece of the puzzle of like, what do you fucking want? How do you get it? And are you actually working hard enough? What if you actually fucking really worked for it and gave 110%? What if? And, you know, that's like what, you know, Riptide was written like a week after I quit drinking, which was like the biggest decisive thing, the biggest moment of me being like, all right, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not fucking, I'm not fucking around anymore. Like I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and be the best version of myself as possible and yeah that's why like the verses and like those verses in that song in the brit it's all pretty dark shit and then yeah. the chorus is just this like exclamation of it's just saying it out loud for the first time you know um and yeah it's it all kind of comes in to you know showing what Beartooth is turning into but also while simultaneously talking about myself because they are kind of one in the same you know right. it's like Beartooth at its core and what i said when i very when i first started it and like the whole point was that this is something where i'm going to say exactly what i need to say that's on my mind that i like feel afraid to say anywhere else and no matter what i'm not going to fucking hold back i'm not going to sugarcoat it i'm not going to write bullshit this was the first bear tooth song that was like positive and like it fucking hit me like a ton of bricks you know when i wrote it i just couldn't believe it and I mean, it's, I know it's like a lot, but I, I was like, really, I was fucking bawling my eyes out, like tears of joy. When I like stopped and kind of like listened to it for the first time, I was like, holy shit, like all the work is actually, it's happening. It's like, don't fucking stop now. Don't look back, like keep pushing because if a bear tooth song has got hope in it, clearly you're going in the right direction, you know, like, yeah, this is fucking wild. Is there a part of you at all that was like nervous to... <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's easier to share dark emotions than it is to share like positive ones in some ways. Yeah. Well, people don't associate for somebody who's been incredibly insecure throughout most of his life. Like being really sad isn't as cringe as being exactly. really happy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that was something that just my insecurity is very, was very like, oh boy is, um, and like everything been doing. And, you know, like, I'm fucking proud of who I am. I'm proud of the work I put in with my fucking body, with my voice, with whatever. So it's like, I feel like being really proud and like being very like open about it. A lot of people are like, oh, well, fuck you. You know right. what I mean? Yes. That, yes. That's such a quick reaction. Yes. And, oh, and you're of happy course, with yourself. 
well, fuck you, man. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I was absolutely terrified. I, you know, more nervous to release this than I was to release below, you know, where I literally am talking about how when I die, no one's going to care because my music meant nothing like that's fucked. And right. I was more nervous to release, you know, a song about how I'm doing really good now. Well, um, and, you know, and you have been on the receiving end of a lot of nasty shit you know, not so much in Beartooth, but back with Attack Attack. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I could imagine that there's, you know, some PTSD there. Yeah, um, no doubt. And, you know, one thing that actually really helped me, therapy that I did during um, COVID, it was on, you know, like a Zoom, whatever I did it, you know, once a week, then once every two weeks and kind of like for a while and then kind of weaned off. But um, yeah, like there was a lot of shit that I had not dealt with. Um, Yeah a whole bunch of it. And like, it is just, it is fucking unbelievable what happens when you just start to like, keep peeling back the fucking curtains and like, keep looking in deeper and further and, and being honest about what you see there. Yeah. And and like, you know, there's just, there's just so much fucking power in loving yourself. I know that sounds so outrageously corny, but like, you know, even then it was like, why is it corny? I had to say it was corny because I'm insecure. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, there's the example is it's, it's not, but it's, yeah. It's like, dude, when, when you just start to fucking believe and like, not even believe, understand the fucking capabilities that you have as a person, it is unbelievable what can happen and how fucking fast it can happen as well. Like yep. absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I try, and which is one of the reasons I've been talking about, you know, just my physical transformation and my mental transformation and whatever. So publicly and even like quitting drinking is that like, yeah, I was so insecure and so afraid of sharing shit other than like the dark stuff that I had, I had already ripped that bandaid off. So like I was already okay with that, but yeah, it's, it's unfucking believable what can happen. Unbelievable. Well, I'm excited to see it because I mean, you've been going hard you know with music for 15 years now even though you're only 30 you've been doing this for 15 years it, mm-hmm. unless i'm unless my math is off so if this no if well this i mean was, i'm 29 i'm i started when i was 14 yeah touring so, when i was 15 i've been touring for 14 years i guess but and yeah 15 years of plug and stop you've made something <laughs> like what six albums or something like that and some eps and whatnot well eight records Seven were released. One got shelved. Uh, yeah, been doing it. <laughs> so if this is Caleb at whatever fifty or seventy percent or whatever it was, we're gonna. This is not even Caleb's final form. That's what I'm fucking saying. Like that is literally when I was like, you know, telling people about it, and I was on this trip in Los Angeles, like my first writing trip. Um, it was in like February, and since I, you know, again quit drinking and you know been on this whole like get your shit together kick. And that, that was what I was trying to explain to everybody, you know, people from our label, the band, like everybody is just like, no, you don't fucking understand. Like I was at 70%. I'm at fucking 110 now. I was like, just wait. (laughs) Like I can't, I was like, I don't have the shit to show. I have a few things to show you now, but I am telling you strap the fuck in and hold on because we're actually about to get started now. Like this hasn't even begun yet. This has just all been a fucking warm up. Like uh, we're about to I'm excited to knowing, go. you know, that like 
that like with aggressive, you know, that that was you sort of limping across the finish line and it's still great. So, you know, if you're running at hundred at hundred percent, I'm excited to hear it. And did I read correctly that you guys are moving soon? We are, we are packing up. Like I literally just finished like my now? whole fucking, yeah. Like literally right before this, I finished packing up my basement, which was where I did aggressive and below. And it felt fucking amazing. Yeah. We're moving out to Los Angeles. We're doing the fucking California dream. And you know, I love writing. I love fucking producing. I love mixing. I love all that. And Columbus, Ohio ain't exactly popping off. So it's fucking time. No, although I've, I haven't been there back there in a couple of years, but uh, I, I, you know, it seems like it's uh, better than it used to be, but not like LA. I mean, you've been on the road so much, like how much does it even matter where you live? I think it matters a ton because of the fact that I'm on the road all the time. If I was in Columbus all the time, I don't think it would matter because when I'm off tour, I, I need to be with my wife and I need to be at home and like, you know, she doesn't come on tour with us. It's very important that we're together. Um, I need that time. And in LA, it can be like, Hey, what are you doing this afternoon? Do you want to come over and write with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Everyone's there for two, yeah. for, for two hours. Yes. And so I can do that at home and then still go back for dinner and we can yeah. kick it and watch a movie. Um, and in Columbus, it's, you know, I, I like went out for one writing trip recently and it was, you know, I have a month off at home and I'm gone for half 10 days. the time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's like, as much as it's great, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm like, my brain is kind of all over the place and I'm like, I'm trying to focus on, you know, I'm, I'm writing with this other band and I'm like, I'm just not there. I, I wasn't, I'm not all there. So I figure Los Angeles is like the most, you know, hyper focused version of like, Hey, you have a few hours. Let's do something incredible. Yeah. Are you going to miss Columbus? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to miss my family, my brother and his wife and a lot of like really great friends. But you know, my parents, one of the big inspirations was that my parents moved away. I don't know, I don't know probably like 10 years ago now, but oh, they um, did. Okay. yeah, they, when we, me and my brother got out of the house, I, I have a brother who's like uh, three years older than me. When we were both out, I mean, to be fair, I was out of the house when I was 15 and then he was out, but my parents, uh, went south and my mom has terrible seasonal depression um as do i and she said she's like i love you and your brother to death but this was the best decision we have ever fucking made and like that was really inspiring to me that was another thing is like i'm not dealing with a fucking winter again yeah. it just sucks the soul out of me and I there's deal like with that, that enough. three fucking months of that dirty snow on the ground. You're just oh, like, when is this going to be fucking over? So <laughs> fucking bad. And it's like, and we, for some reason, always tour in Europe in the winter. I get enough winter. I'm okay. Right. I will fucking pass on when I'm home over the holidays, which is usually like a pretty common chunk of time off. I want to do it and it'd be sunny in 75. You know, the only thing I miss about Columbus is hanging out with Ashi and Chase and Cam. Dude, that was... I miss those you know, guys. There, there are some... Ashi's fucking moving too, dude. Oh, he is? Ashi's, Ashi's going to Nashville. Oh, okay. Um, I think she's going to Nashville. That, Chase bought a lake house, apparently. Like, oh, nice. Goes, so he's going out to the lake. Fucking, uh, yeah. Um, we're we're kind of all... I mean, I don't know if everybody's going to, but we're kind of moving out a bit. Breaking up. We're, yeah, it's that time. Yeah, it is that time. Everyone's turning thirty and breaking up. There it is. Not exactly. the band, just the 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 gang. 
the you heard it here first bear tooth yeah. breaking up not the band just you know everyone <laughs> moving around yeah cool well uh i appreciate your time i will uh let you go i'll wrap this up and go have dinner with the wife but uh excited to catch up with you and hear about all this stuff i'm like just it really makes me happy to see you doing well and you know i'm sure the song's going to help a lot of people dude thank you very very much and you know i think if i could in closing just say like when i write songs i i really write them completely for myself i don't write them for other people but i think at the end of the day when i do that i think i can write something that people connect to better and i've always been really like insecure about being looked up to or being somebody that whatever it may be but i'm trying to like be better about that and understand that it's like really an honor and um so i just want to say thank you for saying that and that like you know it it feels pretty amazing that out of just like me just trying to be honest with myself i feel like it can be an avenue to help people do the same for their own lives that means fucking world and so yeah i hope the same cool well i will uh catch you guys when you're in seattle and uh take care Good luck with the move. Yeah, dude. Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. I'll see you. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.